Hey everybody, welcome back to The Hidden Zoo, where every week or so we make fun of an animal that probably does not exist. My name is Don, with me as always is Blake. Hey Don. Hi Blake. And just apologies for the long absence, Uh, Blake's been working midnights. Fans are getting antsy. Yeah, well I did get a message from our number one fan. I was going to say, by fans I mean one, our fan. (laughs) Our our fan. She said we, 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 or maybe she's listening listening to to the, the show with her friends, or maybe she just wanted to make us feel better. She's forcing a love to listen to this against their will. <laughs> no, these guys are really funny. Trust me. Uh, more fucking Bigfoot Star Wars shit. What the fuck? <laughs> and they're just doing it so that they can listen to their true crime prod- po- true crime <laughs> podcast in peace. So uh, people who do who do actual well, Don, Don, I'm pretty sure Don actually does research. I do, yeah, I do. <laughs> I don't, don't really. I, I usually find there's there's a more interesting story behind the cryptid than than what you actually what you actually think about the cryptid. Like you know, like with Owlman turned into the story of the crazy dude who's the only guy who believes in Owlman. <laughs> We're gonna get a lot of that tonight. Good, good. good. To, first. Though, how, the cryptid part's real thin. How have how have midnights been treating you? Well, I do some eights to uh. to some mornings, and I do some midnights. So there's a fun like sort of a day off in between, but not really. Yay! How's so? Are you getting any sleep at all? Oh yeah. Oh, that's good. I've kind of got it sorted out. I'm just in that weird twilight winter wonderland where time and space don't make sense anymore yeah you're at like the 43rd parallel or some shit so it's just dark all the time you get like five hours of light doesn't really matter where i'm at or what i'm doing it's just dark there were multiple days when i lived out there where i go into mobius at nine and it was still dark and i'd be doing office work all day i would not have a chance to come out on the floor and i would leave at five and it would it would be dark and it just felt like i it felt like it had stayed night the whole time yeah, sunsets at four, I think, right now. Cool. Yeah, we're getting, so we're taking, getting like five. I'm taking the vitamin D. We'll see if that does anything. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not, but you know. Yeah. So um and ten dollars worth of placebo I'm fine with. We got some Mandalorian to catch up on though. <laughs> Hell yeah, we do. I like that we just got we've had more Boba Fett in the last two weeks than there's been in the last 40 years. I, I refuse <laughs> to accept. I mean, I, I, I do. Cause it's, it's, it's TV movies, whatever. Oh, spoiler, but, spoiler alert. But yeah, definitely spoilers. <laughs> skip, skip. If you don't want to hear more Mandalorian spoilers, the, if you're the one person alive yeah. who is listened to this now, but is, hasn't seen Mandalorian. The the fact what you, that what are you doing with your life? <laughs> the fact that in the Tim Oliphant episode, they made a point of putting tiny armor on Big Man to show that you know remember we remember Boba Fett was a small guy. We're not going to upsize his armor, and then they put it. They just put it regular on on huge Maori man and expect me to believe this was that, that this was the guy in Jedi and not the t- tiny little Jeremy Bullock with his little British noodle arms. Like 
<laughs> it's it's okay. He gained some weight, but he didn't gain six inches. Hey, man, See, we don't know what Tatooine does to people. I'm fine with it. <laughs> I am totally fine with it. But when he they showed him and like, oh great, we're on Tatooine again. We're gonna deal with both. Mm-hmm. But uh, sigh. But if they do do it, it'll probably be good. Yeah. And it was good. It was good. When he started yeah, bashing the shit out of people with a gaffy stick, it, it, it <laughs> took me back to the Vader scene in Rogue One. Where they're like, this person has been wussified by the prequels. Like, we need to make him a badass again. Like, oh, right. He's super badass and scary. <laughs> Which not- that was a... That was a, that was a, not quite a reshoot. But they didn't think of that until they were in editing. Yeah, I remember reading that. It, it and came then up they late. Went to, in the game. They went to our much maligned Kathleen Kennedy for some for some dollar bills. And we just need like thirty grand more. It was <laughs> it was, it was just, worth it, whatever yeah, it cost. We just need like thirty grand more for like a day to shoot this. <laughs> and they did, and it's the most memorable scene in the whole movie. You know what? You know what they need to do. They need to do Frank Miller's The Dark Side Rises. Or no, the, what, what the fuck? Dark Knight Rises was the movie. What was the shitty Frank Miller comic that everybody loves? Dark Knight Returns. So The Dark Side Returns, and it's just Vader just, like, being a ridiculous sociopathic badass. Being a monster. Just, just somewhere in Coruscant just being terrible but thinking he's doing the right thing because that's the whole story of The Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, it's the best Star Wars content since Star Wars. Yeah, it's really good. And uh, they they are going to start filming Kenobi in Boston in January. The weirdest thing about that, I, I Boston. I know. <laughs> Why Boston? Hey, Obi-Wan, you fucking queer. You're, you're using your farce, you fucking retard. They just want they just want their crew to get assaulted a lot. <laughs> yep. Get in, like, hey, let's get a bunch of L.A. dudes to uh, get in a racist fight with some townies. <laughs> Hi, we're Lucasfilm. Uh, you know, we're part of Disney. We, we try to have these, a diverse cast and crew. They just start hurling racial nerds. epithets. These fucking nerds. <laughs> Coming into my town? You're going to shoot your Star Wars here? They'll have to have a, a crossover with that Bill Burr character to just calm <laughs> shit down. <laughs> he speaks Boston. He's like, hold on, I'll speak to these animals. We'll just go out and yell at him. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's that's why they knew they're like we got to cast Burr in the Mandalorian so that we can cross his character over with this Boston thing we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> just to you know keep production on on track. I hope I kind of hope like I, I think Kenobi's going to be good because Ewan McGregor was the best part of the prequels hands down. The only good. The yeah. only. The only tolerable part of any part of that was him. him. And he was great. Like, he doesn't... He rises above the material so much. But I, there's part of me that, that hopes it's just, like, just a weird comedy of this weird desert hermit. And, like, he does something strange. And then, like, a Jawa <laughs> trips over a rock and there's a laugh track. And he goes, that's Obi-Wan. You know, it's just, like, really fucking dumb. The two things I want from the Star Wars universe is I want a, like a goofy comedy, like a Judd Apatow type Star Wars movie that's silly, just and just doesn't take anything remotely seriously whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And sure, Seth Rogen can be in it. He's like a fat Jawa, whatever. I don't <laughs> a know. big, tall, fat Jawa. Oh, Wu Tani. 
and then uh, I want like a super violent revenge Star Wars, an R-rated Star Wars, <laughs> like a like a hard R Kill Bill Star Wars, hard R Wars, yeah, R Wars, R Wars. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'd watch that. I watch the shit out of that. Where it's somebody from Alderaan just goes on a rampage. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and it's just like cutting the heads off of stormtroopers with a knife. Maybe, maybe that's what Cassian Andor, the Cassian Andor show, is going to be. But I doubt it. That, no, it won't be. No, but it'll it'll probably be cool. Yeah. So we didn't. We haven't got a chance to talk about the Ahsoka Tano episode, which was fucking badass. No, that was real cool. And I learned that I Beskar that blocks lightsabers the same way. Uh, shit. What, what's the stuff from Kotor? Um, vibro blades. Well, it was a special type of alloy that the vibro blades were made out of. Starts with a, a C. Shit. Oh, I don't remember. Cortosis. Cortosis. Cort- yeah. It's like. Yeah. I, was, I almost said Cortana, but that's Cortana, a different. Yeah, no, yeah. So that's Cor- a different game uh, game universe. Cortosis and Besker both block lightsabers, which is good to know. Cortosis, the best part of cells dividing. <laughs> yep, and uh, midi chlorians are the powerhouse of the Cortosis cells. That's right. That's where you get the most, the best DNA from too. I really hope that that was a backdoor pilot for an Ahsoka Tano live action show because she worked really well yeah i was wondering how that would translate to live action and it worked really well yeah so definitely excited for next week's episode even if this one was really short it was a short and violent episode and wait i think robert rodriguez directed it he did so that and that's pretty cool stormtrooper is still comically worthless yeah, like yeah, I know I've got a ray gun, but let me just run up to this dude with the stick and see what he does. Oh, oh, she's rolling a boulder towards my my uh, blaster, repeating carbine on a, Whoa, on a stand hold here. Hold on, he just blasted me in the head with it. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna shoot at this boulder and hope for the best. Ow, I'm dead. The mortar trooper, that was kind of cool. Yeah, that was pretty neat. And. And uh, uh, fucking May from Agents of Shield, like the, the the shot where she jumps backwards off the rock and shoots two guys, and then lands and does a back roll. Oh, you mean you mean Mulan? Yeah, that's another thing I watched over the weekend. That live action Mulan was not really worth two hours. It was it's it's fine. It was so like stunningly okay. Yeah, it has some good fight scenes. Um, they they didn't overdo the wire foo. But yeah, the whole thing I was just kind of a shrug and yeah, I'm okay with this. They did less in two hours than the cartoon did with 80 minutes, and and like they, they have a bit of a handicap because like <laughs> that on, is true. They did less in two yes. hours than the. Yeah, you're right. Honestly, That's a good when, way to when you think about a musical, songs carry a lot of plot momentum and they carry a lot of weight in terms of characters and their motivations. Very expo- not quite expository, but no, not expository. But it they, is. There's a lot. You put all yeah. your character stuff in the yeah. song, and and so you can you can get away with a shorter runtime if you have good music. If you have good like, songs. Wow, I kind of like this Belle. She's she likes to mm-hmm. read and she values education. Yep, and we know that there's this dude who wants to rape her and he can't read. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know you get a lot of that out of the way in a three minute musical number, and they did. What they tried to do in that, they still, they still didn't do it very well. Because, like, none of the characters had much development. They were all pretty one-dimensional. Uh, phoenixes are Greek. Just staying. Just putting that what? out there. Uh, you're going <laughs> you, to do a Mulan, and you're going to put in a Greek phoenix, and you're going to leave out Mushu. Like, I know you want to yeah. do your own thing, but Mushu is the best part of that movie. He's Eddie Murphy Dragon. We need it. But, yeah. yeah. 
not the general, but the sergeant guy. No, the dragon. This cool. Well, <laughs> hang on. I'm describing from the live action. The, oh. Like the dude who's at the training camp who's yelling at everybody. Yeah. That dude's cool as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I really like him. His name's Ron. You, you notice the bad ADR on Jet Li's lines? Oh, yeah. It was not good. Look, like, he's dubbed, right? Yeah. He he has a really heavy accent. Maybe maybe you should have hired someone who doesn't have a really heavy accent. I don't know, like Ken Watanabe. He could have done that. When I was but, working with Ron, he had just gotten off working in New Zealand on on Mulan. That's pretty badass. Oh, so I actually didn't talk to him about it at all. I just talked to him about Black Dynamite the whole time <laughs> because I found out he was involved with Black Dynamite. And you know one of the one of the Imperial yeah, that is officers. One of the best too. movies ever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's been twelve minutes. What do you got this week? It's your turn. I was gonna just his brother was fiendish Doctor Wu. <laughs> oh nice. <laughs> Black Dynamite. I haven't watched that in way too long. I probably oh, haven't so watched good. that in ten years. Who is interrupting my kung fu? <laughs> what I tell you, Grandma, but interrupt my kung fu. <laughs> Let's see. Mine this week is called the... Oh, shit. Where'd the, the fun name go? <laughs> it's got two names. Oh, that's... One of which is way better than the other name. So that takes double the time to name it. Oh, here it is. Kakundakari. Spell that. Well, or the Agog way. Is that spelled like it sounds? Yep. A G O G. We. We. Agogwe. Okay. Which is a kind of a hobbit person from East Africa. Okay. So it's a little, a little, little monkey Central man. East Africa. Okay. There's only, well, no, East Africa. There's only, this is one of those oneers. So it's one person has seen it? Yeah. But or, really or, this is just... or when you see it, you see it for a good two and a half minutes straight with no cuts. <laughs> like yeah. it's it's this is this is the favorite cryptid of uh of fucking inarutu Inaru, is that the guy i'm thinking of is that the one who does water wonders oh you could say paul thomas anderson yeah but i've never seen one of his That's films uh who's the guy that did gravity uh, i can't think i'm not gonna come up yeah, with that whatever. off the top of my head yeah the guy who makes all those green movies he did harry potter 3 and he did children of men and gravity was green he makes green movies he just he color yeah. corrects to green. I'm not gonna know. Yeah, I don't know his name. Yeah, he likes wonders, but there there are a lot of them in Boogie Nights. Yeah, that's not him. But yeah, I think I I, I like him. I like him when they serve the story and not when it's just like a technical achievement. When you're like, oh wow, they didn't cut for 20 minutes. Interesting. Did you look at the Agogway? Yeah, it uh, looks like a chimp. Duckery. Looks like a chimp. Like a little chimp man. Yeah. The picture yeah, that comes up on sighting. Wikipedia is a, is just a fucking monkey. There's one list listing from 1927 of seeing it, but you know, like some little hobbits walk down to the river, looking around for stuff. We saw him. The natives forbid him to shoot at it because this is 1927, <laughs> and you got to shoot at it. Okay, you got to go here. Go 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 back to the Google Chat window because I'm going to send you a picture that I found when I image searched it that was on Pinterest labeled Agogway. Okay, <laughs> Pinterest. It's two of them. This could, it's, this could be literally anything. It's two Agogways. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, it's like sexy Chaka from. Yeah. Look, the breasts. The land of the lost. The breasts aren't even pendulous. <laughs> oh, they're, no. they're fairly perky breasts on this on this <laughs> on this squatchy type creature. 
Oh, and they're Asian. Yeah, they just Photoshop some Asian faces onto these weird titty monkey bodies. <laughs> okay, I like that. This is pretty great. <laughs> yeah, thought you yeah, would. Yeah, so we'll say they look like this. Yep. <laughs> and I'm not going to make this our cover art because I think we'd get banned from iTunes because there are like, sort of naked tits. They're hairy. I'd say, I'd say no way. Yeah. So, yeah, they just look like image uh, search a sexy Asian chaka. <laughs> From Land of the Lost. Land of the Lost. Just yeah. image search a Gogway and you'll see this in the second row. That's that's that just do that. <clears throat> but really this is just the backdoor segue to get into Congo. Oh, you you, you like coming to the back door. <laughs> uh, just only when it concerns the novel and the film Congo. <laughs> Okay, so for those of you because who don't this is know, mentioned. he told me he told me a few weeks ago. I said, "How how was work?" And he said, "It was really slow." I read the entire book Congo in one <laughs> sitting. Yeah, I overnight. haven't read that since middle school, probably. It's one of those that I read it about a year after I move because that's <laughs> when I find it. <laughs> Because I'll be, I'll be emptying a box, and I find it like, oh, Congo, I need to read this. You pick it up, and you're like, ooh, Blake Goodhuman. Read Congo. <laughs> it's got so many. What's, I love the book because it's, it's a, a fun time. It's like a King's – it is ex, exactly King Solomon's Minds, <laughs> which is what Crichton intended to do. Sort of like he did, like, I'll do modern – I'll modernize Beowulf and yeah. make it not – tedious and horrible to, you know i'll make it readable wait which one was beowulf eaters of the dead oh i haven't read that one. Oh, yeah no i saw the movie though it wasn't very good it was, it no. was no it wasn't good the problem is that Crichton movies have translated well to film one time yeah well and that was i, I always saw jurassic park kind of as a i'm gonna modernize frankenstein right but I then guess you could but yeah. like a, a theme I guess you could you could read it that way a theme of a lot of his books, actually. Oh, and West, is, the original Westworld. Oh, yeah. But a theme a of, good, a, theme a, of a lot of his stuff is science goes bad. Scientists dumb. Scientists do thing in, <laughs> in, against nature. Well, in this one, they make a gorilla do sign language. Yeah. That's kind of, that kind of qualifies for that. And then in the movie, the gorilla has a talking monkey box. <laughs> so in the book... They briefly mentioned because they there's the unidentified gorilla like species and they and they bring up Kakundakari. <laughs> so I had to look that up. I was like, Oh, that's a good cryptid for the podcast this week. Yeah. And but, then that's not, you know, it's one of these nonsense oneers. Just so it's like I'll just I'd rather talk about Congo anyway. <laughs> little men about four feet high, walking upright but clad in russet hair. The native hunter with me gazed in mingled fear and amazement. They were, he said, a gogway, the little furry men whom one does not see once in a lifetime. Which I find it interesting that I guess have you heard of the Bondo or Billy Ape? Uh probably sounds vaguely familiar. Probably the one that's probably thirty so years ago. It's supposed to be a chimpanzee that's as big as a gorilla and acts like a gorilla. So it's a gorilla. No, it turns out it's a chimpanzee. Just a, just a big chimp. Yeah. And so that's it was – apparently this, is, this one's only been around since the 90s. That's not the farthest back I could find. <laughs> the Bondo like, ape. Reference to it. That's, that, that really sounds like just a corporate mascot. You got a big dent in your car and you're too cheap to get it fixed? Bondo ape says – Bondo. 
Yeah. The filler putty of the great apes. <laughs> it's like the trunk monkey. Remember the trunk monkey commercials? Totally sandable. You paint it. <laughs> Bondo ape. Good monkey. Good gorilla. Whatever. Better than Samsonite ape. <laughs> Better than duct tape uh... ape. But that's, it, this doesn't go back very far. Because I assume if... This was a, a known thing. This for sure would have been a, incorporated into the Congo book. Right. Because that goes back to the... That, that's from 1979. I was shocked. Shit, I thought it was like 80s. I thought it was like late 80s. Mm-hmm. And which I know I've looked this up before because I tend to think that Jurassic Park is early 80s when that was 1990. Yeah, like they, they optioned and, the film rights as he was writing it, if yeah. I remember correctly. They turned it around real quick because... Yeah. Like Eaters of the Dead and a lot of his other stuff is from like the late seventies, early eighties. They did a uh they did a, a drama to strain. I don't know I don't remember if they did an old movie, but they did a TV series in the early nineties. Yeah, or is the movie that made for TV one? Yeah, uh, well, I think it's there was one we I'm when, not sure. There's one when we were in high school and I remember watching the first half of the two parter and going, That wasn't very good. I'm not gonna There's watch a seventies movie that, that that might be the same thing. Because they'll do that later, then just release the miniseries as a as a feature. Yeah, honestly, here's my opinion. You could take it or leave it. The reason that his books have been adapted to movies well exactly once is because his books aren't that good. Uh, the ones <laughs> I have ones that I love. I, I love Jurassic Park. I love Congo. I love Eaters of the Dead, and I like I like Sphere. That the Sphere movie was fine. Really, oh, I thought the movie was just terrible. I, did, I can't remember if I read the book or not when I was reading it's a bunch been, of Crichton. It's been 90s. so long I could, I, since I've seen it, I couldn't really tell you why it doesn't work as a movie. But I think it works. It works. It's one that it works. It works really well as a book, and then it works not at all as a movie. And I, I haven't seen it in a while, so I couldn't tell you why. I'm pretty sure the last Crichton novel I read was in college, and it was State of Fear. His, uh, his. Climate denier, climate denialist novel. I have not read that. It was not. It was not good. It was about a bunch of eco terrorists who were trying to pr- make make ecological disasters to convince people that fake global warming was real. And 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 then it ended with a list of Michael Crichton's reasons that global warming is fake. Uh, well, he had a lot of money by then, so. Yeah, it's and, and it's like he's like, well, you know, I was a medical doctor for approximately six minutes, therefore I'm qualified to talk about yeah, this. Back in the seventies. Yeah, for for like an hour. I uh, I I'm trying to I have to look at all this stuff chronologically, but I doubt anything of his was good after Jurassic Park. Um, I liked. I like Timeline, fine. And another very bad movie, but I, I, I enjoyed it. I remember being lame. Um, I was also... Both the book and the movie. <laughs> the movie was not good. But when I was in middle school or like late middle, early high school when that came out, I fucking loved medieval shit. Like I was I was like a, that kind of nerd. So that, that has a lot to do with it. And then Prey, the one with the nanotech, came out oh, in like yeah, 2002. That was, that was okay. Yeah, that was pretty good. But it was another one that was like, science ruins everything. It's the hubris of scientists. Hey, you got to pick a lane sometimes, Don. Yeah, and that 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 was kind of his lane. His lane was the Frankenstein <laughs> lane. Except in Congo, it's just a straight up adventure movie. Yeah, or film or book. We're starting with the book. I'll get to, I'll get to the film. 
And I'm still, it's a fun time capsule too, because it's it's it came out in '79. So your Africa politics, your access to technology, it's all totally different <laughs> in a time capsule thing. And because they do the joke in the movie that Ernie Hudson is their great white hunter, <laughs> which is lifted from the because in the book they do have their great white hunter who was. You know, like a former Stanleyville mercenary and had been kicking around Africa doing shit for a while. <laughs> Interesting kind of guy that's mm-hmm. based on real people who did shit like that. Who just went to Africa and then stayed after their time in like the British paratroopers or something. Then they went and became a Congo mercenary. Okay, so here's what came after Jurassic Park. I'll list them off. You tell me if you've read them and what you think. And then I'll, I'll add my commentary if I read them. Rising Sun. I've never read it. Probably about Japan. Disclosure. I haven't read that one. Those I, are two. I think that's the one that got turned into a movie with Michael Douglas, where Both his his female boss is is sexually harassing him. Ooh, the tables turn. Women can rape too. Sort of. Rising Sun is Sean Connery and Blade. Okay. Uh, d- d- disclosure. Disclosure was like it was like an MRA novel twenty years before that that was was him. Uh, The Lost World, right? No, not very good. Not very good. Still better than the movie. (laughs) I just read that again like a week ago. Uh, Yes, it's okay. Airframe. I haven't read that one. Timeline, Prey, State of Fear, Next. Never heard of it. I think Next is the one where he takes a guy who gave him a bad review for an older book and makes him a pedophile in the novel. Because that's what classy people do. Oh, hey, maybe don't piss off somebody who writes bestsellers. (laughs) Yeah, don't piss off Roland Emmerich either. He'll make Godzilla stomp on you. (laughs) Take that, Roger Ebert. Ebert. Uh, and then there were three posthumous books, but I'm pretty sure, like, I, yeah, I saw one that came out not all that long ago in the store, and it was, like, Michael Creighton's Blah by so-and-so, so I think his name is, like, I think they're trying to spin it off as a brand. Like, Did he do one about, what was it called, Dragon Bones? Dragon Bones? Is that on there? Great Train Robbery, Terminal Man, Grave Descent. Did he write yeah. at the end? I think it came yeah. out. Oh, right Dragon there. Teeth. Yeah, that's the 2017. I read yeah. that one. That's that was kind of one like, hey, based on an idea Michael Crichton told me once. Yeah, <laughs> kind of like the uh, the Dune the Dune prequels and sequels. It's set in the Bone Wars. Oh, that's kind of cool. Which is neat. So it's yeah. Edward Drinker, Cope, and Marsh. Randy Marsh, oh, famous oh, famous paleontologist Randy Marsh. Randy Marsh. <laughs> I'm gonna go dig bones, Sharon. It's my passion. And then herpetologist Edward Drinker Cope, who found a lot of, I think, garter snakes? I forget what it was. There's a bunch of, like, Copesy eyes. So have I, told you, have I told you my opinion that Randy Marsh is the most significant fictional character in all of Western literature? <laughs> well, he did fight the Bat Dead to a standstill. Yeah. He's, so uh, he is a hero for all time. He's He's very important, and you can put him in any story... And he can play any role in any story, and it works. If, if He can be incompetent really easily, but he can also be competent if you want him to. Yeah, Sharon. <laughs> it's it's, he it's homered, not day drinking. He homered the, sh- it's a he homered wine the show a little bit. He, he what? He homered it. Yeah, uh, yeah, a little bit. 
where one character has kind of taken over. But still, he <laughs> he, over the show. he fades into the background a lot, but when they pull him out, it's always gold. <laughs> like when he was Lord for a season for no no real reason. Yeah. Just because they wanted to make that goofy joke. That rhymed. <laughs> yeah. So, uh... Where are we at? We're talking about, uh... No, the novel. About snakes. how much I enjoy the novel. Congo. Because it's such a fun... Yeah. Like, that's a fun time capsule of the late 70s. And then fast forward to this movie. That's just a weird mid-90s James time Spader. capsule. James Spader's in it, right? You'd think so, but no. What? Okay. So he's, he's not in there. He's going to be Oh, it's Eric Stoltz. He's in Anaconda. <laughs> uh, yeah. They're, 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 they're both movies set in the jungle in the 90s, but they're pretty different. Uh, Laura Linney. Uh, Dylan, Dylan Walsh. Oh, is he, is he Peter? Uh, um, let me look. Yeah, Dr. Peter Elliott. I, I for some Peter. reason that was that was James Spader in my mind. Huh. Oh well. Oh, no, that would probably been a better movie. You're, you're probably thinking of, of Stargate. No, because I've seen Stargate oh, multiple we... times, and the only I only remember intellectual facts. Like I remember Wikipedia facts about Stargate. I remember that Ra is the bad guy, and that James Spader and Kurt Russell star in this movie, and it's about a thing that takes you to another planet that's Egyptian. I don't remember anything about the movie experientially, even though I've seen it three or four times, and I wrote a paper about it in college. You know, I would watch Congo, I think, about eight times per every Stargate. Uh, Stargate is, I, I remember I not liking it. Prefer. I do, that's. I remember thinking it was dumb, and then people kept telling me the TV show was good, so I tried that, and that was also dumb. <laughs> I've never... Given that real serious shot, it's something so, that's just kind of been on. It's like, like it, the imagine the first then, season of Star Trek The Next Generation, but cheaper and shittier. Well, the first season of that, I think, was on HBO, so it has titties. Um, yeah. Which is okay, really yes. bizarre because I remember, like, it was, yeah, it was HBO or Showtime or something. Of Stargate, you're like, wait, what? There's titties. So this was like a yeah. basic cable show. What is happening? For most of its run, it was. It's, and it's just it like it did one or two seasons on there, and then it did like a seventeen on Sci-Fi. And I'm I know there are fans of the Sci-Fi Network. There is not a good Sci-Fi original. I don't think I can't think uh, of any. Nor can I. Uh, I hear the Expanse is good. I I read the first book and thought it was fine, so I'll take people's word for it. Oh, right. That started on sci-fi. I'll I'll take people's word for it that The Expanse is good, but every time I try a sci-fi original, I am horrifically underwhelmed. Wait, Battlestar. That was a sci-fi original. Yeah, that's it. There we go. That's it. (laughs) But again, not a movie, but might as well be. Yeah, but I I didn't mean movie. I I meant show. Their movies are all intentionally bad. I don't think they know that, though. I don't know. They're putting it's out the problem, a problem. Well, I don't think the asylum knows. Uh, sci-fi I think they just do what they do and think, man, people love it. Sci-fi is putting out a uh, a romantic comedy horror called "Waiting for Satan Claus." You need to look this up. <laughs> the girl wrote a letter to Santa, Santa when she was seven, but she accidentally sent it to Satan, and so Satan comes to kill everybody this Christmas. And it's clearly gunning for a silly bad movie. I want to watch it. <laughs> Where am I at again? Okay, so 1990. Congo from 1995. More monkeys. It's a hilarious, just train wreck. I remember seeing this in in the theater when we were in Sioux Falls 
So like 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 some aunt or uncle or something took us all to Congo. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just so bummed out. Like, oh, this is such a cool book. And Jurassic Park was awesome. And then watching Congo in the theater and the whole time being just... Uh, what? Why does the monkey and, talk? Why does he have robot talk machine? <laughs> and it was a real bummer finding out, I forget when, like when I actually looked into like the human ape sign language attempts at communication and mm-hmm. like, oh, most people think this is complete complete horseshit. Yeah. Like Co- Coco <laughs> and being shocked, shocked to my core. They're like, what? Coco? Is she... it re- what? They're... No, but Coco had a kitten. And talked she... to Mr. Rogers. She liked to grab people's nipples and... and then she had she just had a nipple fixation for sure. Yeah. Of which there was a lawsuit. Did you yep. know this? Yes, yeah. Somebody wasn't <laughs> it somebody quit because they were being sexually harassed by the gorilla? Well, the the uh, the director of the of the foundation, I guess, pressured people in the organization. Someone in the organization pressured people to show Coco their nipples. Well, you know, it's still better <laughs> than the guy in the '60s or '70s who got really high on acid and put a woman into a tank with a dolphin because he thought the dolphin could <laughs> learn English, and then forced the the research assistant to like let the dolphin jerk off on her. And like jizz mm-hmm. all over her because he thought that dolphins were going to help him speak to the aliens that took his penis but then put it back on. I'm not making this up. No, I know. <laughs> I know all about it. That's uh, – I can't think of the guy's name. but who I, just... I don't remember his name, but I remember Echo the Dolphin is, is – the game is named after ECCO <laughs> stands for something. And it was the aliens he thought the dolphins were talking to. It's... <laughs> Yeah, look at him. He was SNL did a really good sketch about that. Look up the Dolphin Man. (laughs) They're like, yeah, he only word he only learned uh, John C. Lilly. Okay, Uh, unaffiliated (laughs) with the Lilly, the Lilly Pharmaceutical Company, (laughs) probably. John C. Lilly experimented with. with, He was a a psychonaut philosopher, writer, (laughs) inventor. Did lots of acid and tried to talk to dolphins. Yep, sure did. Made the isolation tank, which also inspired the movie Altered States. Yeah. Uh, Where a man physically trans- transforms into some sort of primitive cave person via isolation tank. It's probably not as good as the episode of Buffy where a guy made uh, put a magic curse on the beer, and if you drank it, you turned into a caveman. Because that episode was funny. <laughs> Everyone hates it, but me and Julie. We love that episode. It's called Beer Bad, and Buffy turns into a cave lady and beats people with a stick. Oh, don't drink beer. <laughs> nipple fix. Oh, the nipple fixation lawsuit was settled out of court. <laughs> it's some, like actual lawyers had to go in and talk about how these people were pressured into showing their nipples to a gorilla. <laughs> Pro- probably the defense's argument was like, do you really want this to be public record in a court of law? Do you Look, we're really gonna, We're going to call the gorilla this? unless you settle. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to cross-examine this gorilla that just says nipple on the stand 50 <laughs> times in a row. Amy, can you please answer the question yeah. in sign language? Have you? First. Did you try to grab this woman's nipples? Gesturing madly. Okay, translator, what did she say? She said, no, and you should reward her no money. And they would just sign, uh, Peter Shitty, Shitty, or not Shitty, your name, 
you're not Peter, you're Don. Don Shitty, Shitty Don. Coco, Coco, Amy, Amy, not Amy, racist. Kitty, kitty, nipple, nipple. You know, it's it may not be as deep as the people who, who were training Coco said it was. It may not have been ASL, but if you can if you can get if you can condition a gorilla to to associate certain hand movements with certain meanings, that's still that's still nothing to sneeze at. It's and still, I mean, if you're even if it is like at what point is it not operate op, operant conditioning, and she actually knows what that is. I like, where, like where's the separation between? Oh well, yeah, she knows that this gesture means this thing. I don't, you know, like how do we decide if she if she's just reacting to like I do the sign when I see the thing. That's kind of a how is that not? She knows what that thing is. That's kind of a philosophical question. <laughs> like that's, I guess unless until you get Coco into a, an fMRI while she's signing, like when the parrot. You hand the little parrot the truck, and it bites it and says "truck." Yeah, it's like does would he? I, I guess it's the same argument. Like, yeah, it, it, but it's still like he knows what a truck is. It ain't it ain't nothing. That's all I'm saying. It ain't nothing. It's something. Yeah, it's just I was so shocked when I re- was reading about it in more detail, and I was like, oh, <laughs> no one really, like, nobody outside of these particular studies mm-hmm. believes any of it's yeah it more was, than just what we just talked about like it, she, she kind of knows things but there's it, no direct there's no direct we're not going from english to spanish and back yeah it, it was the kind of popular science that largely skipped the academy and went right to pop culture and and it was cute she did have a kitten yeah and that's i mean that's not really it doesn't mean she can, you know, talk to you, but yeah, she's nice to a kitty. That's yeah. totally she's, reasonable. She's nicer than than one of my dogs is. Our foster I have a kitty kids. that's nice to a kitten. <laughs> there are a lot of people that aren't nice to kittens. Yeah, yeah. It, I, it, I, I was then I was thinking that you know if that this was a more concrete thing that was valuable, then mm-hmm. like every zoo in the world would do that. Wouldn't they spend some time trying to teach their apes basic, like, little kid signs? Well, you can uh, – there are, there are a couple they... of orangutans who have been taught to use touchscreens to communicate simple ideas. And mm-hmm. I want to say one of the orangs at the Indianapolis Zoo does that. I think that's – because, okay, I'm, I'm going back about 10 years in my life. I actually was on a team who evaluated some orangutan human interactives at the Indianapolis Zoo in 2011 when I was in grad school. And the one that we, the mechanical one we evaluated didn't work. It it was not going to be worth it to to install it. So so we recommended they didn't use it, and they didn't. But one of the other ones that they weren't was not ready to be evaluated yet was talking to the ape via touchscreen. And if I understand correctly, they still use it, but it's only like the keepers are the only ones allowed. Like they they don't allow people to talk to the to to. Uh, the orangutan, so the general public, right? But but they'll do it in a space where the public can watch it happening, and the keeper can talk. And yeah, like, of course, yeah. you wouldn't. I wouldn't want my human caretaker. Or my, I wouldn't want the people at my zoo talking to the public half the time, right? Because <laughs> they're horrible. So so, uh, but that's I, I I think they do it there, and I've just never seen it personally. I know it has been done before, 
uh, it's part of a documentary I watched and, and read a little bit about like in college. So it's, it's a, a lot of research with chimps mm-hmm. and, and, and learning to training chimps to communicate. Well, not really communicate, but receive what they wanted via screens. Did you, uh, you ever hear of Nim Chimpsky? Yes. The the chimp that they tried to teach language. The one that was, yeah, that they raised as a human. Yeah, and they, they tried, they called him Nim Chimpsky because Noam Chomsky said no, only humans have language and they wanted to prove him wrong so they named the monkey they, after him or the ape. They wanted to me. stick it to Noam Chomsky. And uh, didn't, didn't, didn't really work that well. They didn't really stick it to Noam Chomsky. Like no, I don't, he, I don't think he's an, okay, for what it's worth, I'm not Noam Chomsky, but I, I know enough about different animal species to think that maybe he's not all the way right. There are levels of language <laughs> in other species. It doesn't rise yeah. to the level of human speech. I mean, we have dolphins and what, pretty much cetaceans in general. Mm-hmm. And there have been studies of, of, of even baboons, and you, you look at how the, the, the vocalizations they make in certain circumstances – alone or to other baboons relationally to where they are in the baboon hierarchy and and they appear to have certain meanings and if you make a noise and it has a specific meaning arguably that's 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 language and you can differentiate that noise and another you know who you're expressing that at also understands it right like i think language i bet corvids have language I'm well, damn sure. sure that Corvids have language. After that guy spoke at Mobius, remember yeah. him? Of course birds they have, fucking do. Birds at Corvids in particular, I'm sure birds in general, a lot of them would qualify if we could figure out what the fuck well, mm-hmm. <laughs> any of them were trying to say. Mm-hmm. Well, for sure crows and magpies do. Yeah. Well, They can identify people and teach that to their babies. Yep. That like, guy's sure mean. They can talk <laughs> to each other. <laughs> Where it's, oh, yeah, we wore the mask and then bothered them. And then, like, years later, they knew that, oh, that guy in the mask is a dick. And, like, none of those crows were even there. Yeah, none of them were alive. They just passed generational knowledge about the man in in the caveman mask. Yeah. Like, oh, it's this asshole my grandparents spoke of. My my favorite story that guy told, and I, I tell this, we actually have a program at work where we teach about crows, and I like to tell this one secondhand, was the, the crow at uh, University of Montana, who, it was a raven, it was a raven, excuse me, who during, uh, during like passing periods, so to speak, you know, between classes when the students were out on campus, would... He had a bunch of he had a bunch of dogs, stray dogs that he had lured to a tree by going, "Hello, hello, good boy, good boy, sit, come here, come here, good boy." And the dogs were like, "Yeah, there's a man, a small black man up in that tree." And then he would fly across campus when the students were walking around, trailing the dogs and knocking people over. And <laughs> and and in his he said this in his book and he said it live too that some of his colleagues think okay well you know we're trying to come up with a behavioral explanation for this maybe it's a novel foraging strategy and he's seen that people knock get knocked over they they spill their lunch out of their bag and he swoops down and eats a sandwich and this dude John Marsliff who's one of the leading experts on corvids in the world was like I'm pretty sure he just thought it was funny <laughs> corvids just love their open world game experiences. <laughs> yeah. Let's just find the, the weirdest, silliest thing I can do and just do that over and over again. Like, Corvids are <laughs> their untitled goose game for real. That's what they are and what they do. <laughs> yeah. I really would like to teach them to steal for me. <laughs> I just don't have that kind of patience. <laughs> Go get me something shiny. 
Yeah. Now find me some folding money to put in this treat machine. Because <laughs> I read so I couldn't tell you the source now, so I hope this isn't just something I, I found on the internet without vetting. But I remember reading some article that that there were a, a study had trained trained crows to put change in a machine for treats. Wouldn't... And then they taught them how to put folding money, like dollar bills, mm-hmm. in there. And then they found out that all over town, there were people having crows like get into their tip jars and and would steal the money out of it, like knock over your tip jar and steal the money and go get a to snack then, to then go get food. Because change, I think change was just corn, and then a dollar, you know, a, a bill, a fold, some folded money represented like a like a, like some of the bacony or meaty. Yeah, there was a there was a low no, value treat yeah. and a high value treat. Yeah, that totally happened. And if it didn't happen, it could. Oh, um, it's so like, awesome to think of just hordes of crows stealing money all over town. <laughs> so I'm looking at the Congo uh, page, the Wikipedia page, and Tim Curry was in this. I do not remember that. We haven't even gotten to this movie yet. It's so Joey Pants fun. is in it. Yep. These, Frank uh, those, Welker oh, did the monkeys. Well, you just mentioned like two of the best parts because. This is a, an ad character who was not. They changed the movie substantially from the from the the novel. Like you do, yeah. Because in the novel, there it's the same general plot in which this team from Texas is trying to get these special industrial diamonds for superconducting. Sure, because of the particular composition of these because diamonds. Because science. Yeah, they have a boron coating, you know, lasers, electros. Yeah, yeah so the industrial diamonds were the MacGuffin. Go, go on, continue. The first team gets wiped out by something. <laughs> they get a a glimpse of it. It's some kind of grayish primate. Mm-hmm. So they said. So then this all this is all about the second team getting into the depths of the Congo. And in the the, the add on character for the film. He, he's kind of an exposition character because he's our Lost City expository character. <laughs> That's Jim because, Curry. Yeah, because in the you know in the book, this is all explained just through expo- exposition. exposition yeah. You know, they explain it that they're they're trying that this area is tied to this lost diamond mine, diamond mine. <laughs> and then in the <laughs> in the movie, they just have Tim Curry say all that in a Romanian so accent. Yeah, because he's supposed to be—he's supposed to be Romanian, so he does this insane accent. He's Mister Homolka, <laughs> looking for the lost city of Zinj. He's just, just like full strength, maybe like an 85 percent Tim Curry. I got to see if we can find a clip of this on YouTube. <laughs> and the best, and, oh, and, and Ernie Hudson, I love—he's the their white hunter Monroe. And Joey Pants is the fixer guy. Okay. This character that I love this character. It's when you show up and there's a, so it's the place, the foreign place. And there's a dude in a Hawaiian shirt, who, who a fast talking guy in a Hawaiian shirt. That then just gets you to your next plot point. <laughs> All right. Hold on. I got a uh... local guy who knows and he's always kind of like sweaty. Maybe he's wearing a Panama hat. And, but... and this is Joey Pants and he's. <laughs> Perfect at this exact character that you see a ton of times. I got a move or a video on YouTube called "The Life and Times of Herkimer Hamola." Herkimer Hamolka, formerly of Ceausescu's Romania, 
Yeah, here we go. <laughs> Come on, YouTube. Play. When I click play, you should play. Here it comes. And who are you, sir? The, the gorilla. gorilla. Formerly of Romania. Free now of the chains of Ceausescu. Traveling the world doing good. That was pretty close. Mr. Homolka. As a young man, I found a book in Soviet Georgia. It contained a detailed drawing of the... <laughs> He's just doing Borat. A little bit, yeah. I think, yeah, Borat cribbed a little bit from Herkama Homolka. Detailed drawing. Detailed the drawing, yeah. My app. <laughs> it, so him, there's him, there's Joey Pants... There's this off, this army officer that detains them in Zaire. That is the best. That's my favorite part of the whole movie. They, it's him yelling at at Homoko to stop eating his sesame cake. <laughs> okay. There's this awesome because they they're they're gonna bribe him because uh, Laura Lady just has a bag of money and she like pulls out a little bit and hands some to Monroe and he puts it on the table and the guy just says more. <laughs> And then they just keep, like, stacking it up. He's like, okay. And then he puts it in this giant paper bag, which he then rolls over and staples shut and then puts back <laughs> under his chair. It's, so, it's such a great, weird seed. And the whole time, <laughs> uh, Tim Curry's stuffing his face with sesame cake. And then at the end, the guy stops. And he's like, oh, and you brought this piece of shit and he's like hitting him with a like hitting him with a stick <laughs> like yoda it's like stop eating my sesame cake and he just stops and he yells at him again so he like spits out this giant hunk of it and puts it back on the plate i i feel like i need to watch this again i have not seen it since it was in the theater oh it's such a it's such a fun weird scene that is almost it's worth like an hour and a half of other nonsense just this weird such a bizarre scene and the whole time they've got a, they have their Coco, Amy the gorilla, mm -hmm. who because they were going to bother with you know subtitling her, or Chewbaccaing the whole thing. Yep, she has a talkie box. She they put a like they put a Nintendo Power Glove hooked up to a speaker <laughs> on her. Yeah, and so as she signs, it's talking. So the whole time she's saying fun shit like Peter shitty, Amy good gorilla, and she wants Nintendo Power Glove. Glove. It's rad. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so bad. It's so bad. Well, well, well. Let's play that. <laughs> oh, the and, wizard. And then, and then they shoot lasers at the the monkeys. Oh, at the end, there's lasers with yeah, a communicate they... a satellite communication device. I remember <laughs> that. The, and which <laughs> you don't. I don't remember ever seeing her like putting it together, or where that was. On the, the, the amount of gear they bring in versus what they have randomly, because they have like some tripod-mounted, like uh, alien-style sentry guns, mm -hmm. and we're like, who was carrying that? Because none of that like fits on a thing you've like put on your head <laughs> and carry into the bush. Because they have a bunch of porters, and their the amount of luggage changes. Yeah, depending on like what they're when they're loading it or not loading it, and what and, they have with them, and what they need in in this scene, and this, oh, the the effects are brilliant because sometimes the regular gorillas, because there are regular gorillas, of course, sometimes they look incredible, and sometimes eh, it's a guy in a weird foamy suit, <laughs> which is really 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 true of the the garbage face gorillas at the end, <laughs> the white gorillas, 
Yeah. Oh, they they ride the river and get attacked by hippos. Yeah, I remember that and, from the book. And that yeah, that's that's directly from the book. And what's wild about that scene is that it's like a shot for shot, like amazing hippo, and then like Jungle Cruise hippo, and then amazing <laughs> hippo, and then it's Jungle Cruise hippo again. And it's just depending on just what angle they get. <laughs> And the motion the hippo's doing in that particular shot. Because some of them, it looks excellent. And another time, it's like... Like, obviously, a pneumatic a pneumatic theme park hippo. Just a hippo jerking, that like jerking around. Wasn't doing as good as the T-Rex did a few years prior. It's Oh, it's great. And there's some really fun Congo back behind-the-scenes special effects. Like, shit talk about it, about how, like, oh, yeah, the gorillas look like that because we got new notes on every design. <laughs> so we just kept designing them until it was time to shoot because they never had a final. <laughs> so they, like, did, they never had. They, they never they got approved. Just, they just needed them, and that's where they were when they were needed. Yeah, and also all the, because eventually they get to the, the naughty attack gorillas because the, the Solomon, Solomon miners had a trained guerrilla police force. Yeah. They were all albino looking things. And they're all, yeah, they're supposed to, in the book, they're supposed to be kind of like an in-between, a sort of a chimp human gorilla thing. And then it doesn't movie. look quite like, like it's a little bit too human looking to really be a gorilla. Mm-hmm. And a little bit too gorilla to be a chimp where it's like, they never really quite decide what it looks like. Cause they, they never really like lay out exactly what it looks like. It just looks like a gorilla, but not really. Oh, man. Here's the scene I remember. It's the trash-faced gorilla getting his hand chopped off with a laser beam. <laughs> it, it was Stan Winston's team made these things. And then when they go to actually shoot it, like, they have, I forget how many different, how many, like 10 or 12 gorilla suits, all of which look different. <laughs> <laughs> because they never got... There was never, like, this is what these things look like. It's It's such bullshit to hire Stan Winston and then not not let them not let him and his team do their absolute best. And then when they go to shoot these spaghetti face gorilla <laughs> monsters, cause they, they look just like a lasagna kind of mushed into a gorilla face. It looks like, yeah. Yeah. Like this one getting his hand chopped off. Looks kind of like Garfield. Yeah. Where it's like, make a gorilla, but out of skin tags. Yeah. <laughs> like make a skin tag gorilla. What if, what and if a gorilla, but also a pug, <laughs> yeah. Give its face just texture. Just, just more. Just fuck more him texture. up. Fuck him up, bro. Like, fuck him up. Like more just like warty and wrinkly <laughs> and So they take these nasty gorillas to the set and it's just like a bright orange well lit room. Because you're looking at the the set they're on, where like the it's a really it looks like yeah, it, it it's looks a like really uh, silly set. It looks like a, a ruins on Mars or some shit. Yeah, or like HR Puff and stuff is going to come out because <laughs> that, that's on the the last rewatching of it because I watched it again not not too long ago of just how shitty the mindset is. Like they go through like the you know they're going through the jungle, they're going through the temple. And then they get to this goofy, just red. It's like a like a golf like a golf course Mesa Verde. And then they have to put the silver monkey painted. statue together, but the three pieces right. they don't fit really well. <laughs> yeah, it looks and, really and, bad. And then they and then they get attacked, and the purple parrots end up winning. And it, it is it is bright. 
Like there is zero shadow, there is zero darkness. It is just bright, bright orange. And these poor gorilla suit right. guys. It's an orange. Uh, around. It's orange like our president, right? Almost. He's so he's a he's orange. Almost as orange as that. You notice? You ever notice he's orange, but his eyes are not orange. They're on a set made out of spicy Cheetos. <laughs> it's just like a dark, burnt orange. And these gorillas. Oh, dude! Suits. It was mid nineties. They're made out of Doritos 3Ds. <laughs> and just pour some surge on it. <laughs> that's not orange. Jet, you know, usually that's why, like, you shoot things in the dark. Yeah. Is because suit creatures have limitations. You think the guy who directed Arachnophobia would know that? That's a pretty well. It's a good movie. It's pretty well shot. Is that the same director as yeah. Congo? Yeah, I just looked it up. Oh, Frank Marshall, yeah. yeah. Arachnophobia is really good. We yeah. could do a whole episode on arachnophobia. <laughs> <laughs> Except this is not a movie podcast. Because <laughs> a ton of well, a ton of this, I just I really wanted to talk about like animal language cognition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mostly just being shocked that, like, oh, you mean we can't just sign language with apes? I thought we could. <laughs> oh, it turns out that that, that uh, 1.3 difference in DNA is, is fairly significant. Substantial, yeah. It's like uh, fibromyalgia is a transcription error in a single codon of one gene. You it's three three base pairs are fucked up, and now you have fibromyalgia. Yeah, one point three percent counts for a lot. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I can't remember. Like all of human variation is like within a tenth of a percent or some shit like that. I'm sure, it's tiny. Yeah, considering how much we share with like a starfish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, evolution's all all fake. Yeah, you're right. The only reason we look similar is because God, God got tired (laughs) well hey man seven days is a lot to ask i mean he did six days he took a break on the seventh day because he was so tired he was running you know towards the end of the day he's like oh i made these monkeys and these apes i made these fucking potos and and i made these lemurs what's what should i do what's my last thing i'll make kind of like them but hairless and smart and then i'm done oh god how come the elephant teeth don't last as long as elephants can live. You know what? Well, they die because their teeth fall out. That's how I designed it. <laughs> like, wait, That's what? how it goes. <laughs> hey, God, how come bears have the skull and uh, uh, dentition structure of an apex predator, but mostly they browse and, and, and they don't really hunt? Well, so I think he just made a giant dog. <laughs> Look. Look, lazy here. He's really cute. He likes honey. What the fuck do you want from me? That's <laughs> it. You're going to hell. Uh, sure, sure. Coming up with a lot of crabs, <laughs> just over and over again. These things keep evolving into crabs. I mean, shit. <laughs> look, look. That's nothing compared to the Beatles. Hey, man. A quarter of these things are going to be Beatles. All right. You're just going to have to deal with that. I really got a good deal <laughs> on bulk beetle parts. This is economy of scale, dum-dum. <laughs> you have any idea how expensive human brains are? You know how cheap I could fill this thing out if we just stick to beetles? Yeah, you gave me a quota of minimum number of living things. You didn't say quality. <laughs> hey, quantity has a quality all its own, sir. Beetles, six legs, shell, antenna, bam, go, Come done. Come on down. 
Name human. one for free. Get to name five more for a slightly added cost. <laughs> Shipping and handling required. Name one after you. Name one after your brother. Name one after Rambo. We don't give a shit. So many Beatles. We're giving them away. We're just going to start numbering them. <laughs> Unis Unison. Unis du, 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 Duelin. Unis Triason. That's the genus and species. See where I was going with that bad joke? Yeah, it was pretty bad. Didn't really work. But I can recognize that and feel ashamed. And this is a fun. I got to talk about Coco the Gorilla in Congo. Yep. And Stan Winston. Yep. Beatles. Our own unique take on theology. And we're really hitting some of my some of my greatest hits. Because I like talking about Beatles. <laughs> well, we just hit an hour. So Coley out really? Yeah, we're in an hour. Any anything else you want to say about Congo? Oh man, if you're doing what you love, it doesn't feel like work. <laughs> no time has passed at all. We've been talking about the the ugly face monkeys and the hippo, the good bad hippo, and then the Nintendo ape. It's all it's great. Uh, uh, Homolka does not survive, unfortunately. Oh, no. He doesn't make it past the the Cheeto mine. No, that's a that's a damn shame. Well, he had to go. He had to go to the Trump Hotel in New York and foil, more foil the plans of a of a young ten year old boy who was stealing his dad's credit card. <laughs> oh man, that's the kind of movie like where he could have had a cameo in it because it was 1995 and there mm-hmm. was tangential relations to like big business. Mm-hmm. He did have a cameo in it. Who do you mean he? Congo? Oh, Trump. Oh, Trump. Oh, yeah. no, he only did cameos in movies that used his properties. Yeah. But they didn't have any in Houston, so. <laughs> Trump Hotel Congo. <laughs> Trump Hotel. No, it was the 90s. Trump Hotel Zaire. Trump Tower Zaire. It's the best tower, biggest country uh, in all of Africa, which is the biggest country in the world. Spectacular. We're going to make it taller than the jungle trees. Big, wide monkey door. We're going to have the best monkeys. Some lions. Lion king yep. of the jungle. Is that Belgian waffle still in charge? I like that guy's style. <laughs> what? You know, Leo. <laughs> that old uh, Leo guy. Still in that Congo place? <laughs> Cutting off hands. Yeah. Best, best rubber tree discipline in the history of rubber tree discipline. Just chopping off right five-year-old hands. <laughs> best great king. Uh, respect him a lot. I wish him well. <laughs> yeah, see, that was what Leopold the second or the first. I think it was the first. Yeah, yep. Yeah. See, I, I would love my my ideas for remakes is like don't remake good movies, remake the bad movies. Yeah, that's what we should do. Don't make the the good one worse. Just make try to make this bad one better. It's mm-hmm. like you can only. I mean, what's the worst thing you do? You make one that's just as bad? <laughs> <laughs> you make you make Congo shitty again? Like, oh, you fucked up Congo? How'd you do that? Oh, no. You know there are Congo stands kind of... somewhere on Twitter who get real pissed off? Yeah, well, they're... Um... What's that word I want? Idiots. <laughs> it's a good word. <laughs> it's a good word. Also, Mimic should get remade. Mimic? Is that the... The Mira Sorvino giant cockroach movie. Did Guillermo del Toro do that one? He did, but he didn't get to edit it. Oh, okay. So he blames that. Yeah, that's good. 
good convenient excuse, Guillermo. It's a good excuse. Yeah, it really but is. That one should get redone. <sighs> I think I'm going to call it. I think we've Congo five stars. Five recommend. five star five monkeys. <laughs> Out of five monkeys, five big ape thumbs up. Yeah, five opposable thumbs up. Few monkeys, all apes. Is <laughs> Amy good gorilla? Seven Amy Good Gorillas out of eight Amy Good Gorillas for Congo, starring Frank Welker as the Gorilla Grunts. <laughs> it's true. Any any final thoughts? No, I thought, right. we were, thought you were wrapping it up. Yeah, no, I was. Uh, I, it looked like you had something to say, so I wasn't quite here. We'll I'll play us out with uh, with uh, yeah. With our anime opener. That's right, the anime open. All right, everybody, thank you for listening to this episode about uh, mostly not cryptids and uh, mostly Congo, a silly bad movie that I do think I'm going to go watch again. As always, tell your friends about us and rate us on iTunes and um, uh, write us a song and... Don't let any gorillas pinch your nipples. Thanks, everybody. Good night.